So today, we have Mr. Franken. Franken Fine Arts. Franken Fine Arts. <laughs> yeah. So, Robert, what do you do here at TLC? Well, I, I actually, I, I squatted at, um, <laughs> at, this, at the TLC in, in Island Bay. And uh, Jonathan asked me at the time if I could do a weekend class when he was still in Torrey Street. And uh, uh, he just suggested I start teaching the first class in Island Bay. Because they're just in transition maybe before they moved. And um, so I left in the middle floor and I was artist in residence. And I sort of taught that for quite a while. And uh, so I'm still stuck at TLC, sort, yeah. of, sort of between the floorboards <laughs> of society, of TLC, doing my thing. That is why I'm sort of artist in residence. When did you first meet Jonathan, Robert? I met Jonathan in 1973 or 72 at uh, this studio here, where I had my studio in, in, in the, on the, on the ter- just off the terrace. And how did the meeting take place? Well, I had this wild man from Borneo knocking on my door, and he had wild black hair with a black beard. <laughs> and uh, I was also wild myself in those days. <laughs> and I was doing pen drawings. That's what the kind of pen drawings I used to do in the early 70s. And they were sort of the foundation for quite a lot of work I'm making now. I mean, it's quite interesting when you, when you go back to certain times, they become like your, your language and you start refining it and simplifying it. And how do you feel your role with artists and residents, how does that apply these days to everyone on site? Well, I, I can't really give a fixed answer to that, but what I normally and share is an, an, uh, a reflection on one of people's works and also you reflect back on how people react to you. So normally uh, I've never seen myself really as a teacher here. Yeah. I've seen myself more like a tour guide here mm-hmm. where I, I reflect on, on when the person asks me for uh, their input or uh, you know, critique, so to say, I just reflect back to how I perceive the work. Yeah. And uh, what I like people to do is create conversations with their work. So what I teach is not, not per se uh, techniques of painting, but the techniques of actually communicating with your work, so that in one way you can make your work larger. Very often, that's why I like people to work in series of works, not just one, but doing over and over the same thing like a mandala, it changes. And, and so I think for me, an artist is a person that develops a language, not necessarily makes inverted commas, just pictures. Mm. So in, 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 from my angle, uh, I've used my work more to conjure up, to conjure up my tongue, to, to formulate what is important to me. And uh, I can't tell you my paintings, for that the paintings themselves is that language. I can't, I can tell uh, about my paintings, but my paintings, uh, if, I, if you ask me, Robert, what would you do? It's very hard for me to describe a painting. So a painting to me, it's like an alphabet. I mean, like, we have 26 letters in an alphabet, and I've used already quite a few words to actually, in all sorts of combinations, to 
to tell you this tale so far. So in one way it's quite good to work in a series of works and where your work becomes a catalyst and speaks on your behalf. I said, and have you ever been an artist in residence any, anywhere else besides London? Oh connection? yeah, lots of places. I've mm. been artist in residence in Nelson, at the Nelson Polytech, and also in Wanganui and in Auckland. And uh, I, I also I've given summer schools there. And I'm an artist in residence. It means to say I'm a full-time artist. I, I'm here. Uh, you know, like for example, lots of people are part-time artists, but I think being an artist is a way of life. It is how you perceive life to be. So it's a full-time job. It's not a part-time job. Like I had the other day, somebody came up to me and you know, so said, well, I'd like to have a go at glass engraving. And I said, well, I don't think so. I said, well, you either do it or you don't do it. Because I, you, don't, you don't have a go at life. You are a little <laughs> fool or you don't at all. You step off the platter of the, of, of the record. So... Uh, the way I lived my life is actually, um, I think a bit like a dog, actually you sniff your, you sniff your life and sometimes you don't have, a, when a person asks you for a commission or so to do a, for a good ID for a commission, yeah, that ID can happen in the bath, it can happen in, um, in, you know, while I'm having my french fries on the beach or uh, at all unexpected places. So. Nothing is really, f in my life, nothing is particularly fixed. Uh, I've, where it becomes this very fine surface where the hand and the head meet, that is only just in the moment. In that, f the f in that defined moment, things start manifesting. But uh, I think it's very hard also to tell what you mean. We have an agreement of meaning. If I say, for example, uh, this is a computer, but everybody has a different interpretation of a computer. I mean, that also is, is only a very minuscule part of how a brain works. And the, uh, so I, keep, I also look very much with how to work with possibilities. Uh, nothing, uh, not necessarily, is fixed to me. Mm. Uh, is that your teaching style is an approach to painting? So if people were going to spend some time with you on but a block I course? The reason I like people to work in my block course is large, is a, a to, for them to be able to step into their work, to have, a, to have an, 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 uh, walking backwards and forwards, so distant from the work, viewing the work and go back in again. Because very often we have this, this kind of situation where we are getting so involved in our work and actually, we, we see the detail we're working with, but we don't really see the whole painting. Mm -hmm. So I think even if you work on a small painting, it's quite good to have distance from your work. Mm. I noticed that with the last block course you taught here, and there's a few students that were in that block course, yeah. you went in there and suddenly it was like a transformation of the space within a few days' time. Yeah. With that scale. So quite exciting that you can maybe generate something or begin something and then people start to do their thing. I, th I think which is also important that we are all a very small particle of, of something very large and vice versa. So it's quite good to be able to blow something up and then really shrink it down. Mm -hmm. So equally important to make a whole series of miniatures about the same thing as well. So by just doing that, 
you, you also crawl into your topic in a different way. Mm. And also, even working in different materials, like I work in textiles, I work in glass, I work in there's mosaics. Uh, every material has, a, and, and printmaking, so every material is a different language mm. and also gives you a different angle to what you're working with. Because there's never really a fixed answer. Mm. Um, all, all the work you see, in one way, I'm a bit like my dendraph. It is, it's not, it's not, it's not the work what is important. It is actually the whole process what was involved making the work, and none of it will have a life of its own. You know, it's a bit like uh, I'm not so. Um, uh, you know, like I don't collect my own work. It's up to other people to collect my work. Or I, I mean, yeah. <coughs> Some years ago, I, I took 25 paintings of mine and I stacked them on the beach to a nice teepee and I lit them as a match because I think, I think you know, one way, I, I, like they had done their thing. They had been around, nobody had bought them. And I think they ne needed to be returned to the ether. So I just burnt them. And, and, and uh, I thought it was quite a liberating feeling. I mean, like, it's quite good to not become a victim of your own inventions. I mean, very often we, 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 we treasure something, but when you treasure something, try not to stilton it too much. So even when you treasure, like that's why my, my studio is full of artifacts, but sometimes I put an artifact in, 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 in a relevant spot. I might have, uh, you know, in the past I've taken sometimes a New Guinea carving to a beach and just have the two. Um, uh, yeah, it's quite good. My my studio is my think tank, where I surround myself with objects which I really like, uh, but they are just there. And over the years, I, you know, how you make a living in life is 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 I I'm I'm a trader. I'm a trader of of atmospheres. I'm a trader of merchant of my mind, and I'm a merchant of the byproduct of my mind. So sometimes I swap it for a wine or for a car or for an, uh, So nothing is really fixed. It's all, um, one has to also look at, 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 at or question the, the, uh, the, the philosophy of currency. Because even talking to a person, if, you, if another person gets boring to talk to, uh, you walk away because the other person has not paid that currency of exchange or something. You can always make an attempt to make a conversation, but it doesn't always happen. And you have, a, a, you have, you have profit and you have loss with the conversation. I mean, like, I think to me, nothing is really that fixed. Mm. I mean, like, it's the same as when I, uh, I mean, I had to give this talk and, and uh, that was my first poster for my first exhibition when I was about 17, I think, long time ago. Uh, <laughs> not so long time ago. <laughs> I like, the other day somebody said to me, oh, when, when were you born? When I said, listen, I wasn't born, I was sort of picked out of random. I like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that, isn't it? Like, like sitting on a train and all those images pass you by. You just, it's, it's very kind of funny because it's very hard all, especially uh, to hide all or grasp life to actually, uh, I mean, this last exhibition I'm working on at the moment is called Spirit Trees. 
are taken as viewpoint that actually um, the body is a large coral reef of microorganisms. And so is a tree, it's got a huge amount of microorganisms. Perhaps the world is a large tree with all this microorganism living in different cultures and tribes and all sorts of things. And then the universe might be this huge, enormous tree in space. Anyhow, uh, that is how I see things, that actually we are all particles and part of. Uh, I think one can't live in a desert island just as much as, as when you are a musician, you need to have still an audience, you need to reflect. And I think normally when I do, when I, when I teach, I have no plan. I have no plan at all. I just uh, see what emerges in front of me and I react to it. Um, when people ask me, Robert, about your titles, you know, like uh, walking in one's footsteps or whatever, that, whatever title I have, uh, it, like the title we have, night, night occurs only when the sun sinks behind the fluid of the eye, um, just occurred to me. Because it's only, it's only night when we are blind to see. And I have those kind of ways of, of playing with words to conjure up. I mean, like I walk around myself in a circle and keep on meeting myself in unexpected places. I mean, really, basically, that's what you do. You wake up from moment to moment. Uh, you have this state of, of, uh, of sleep during the day where you're doing things automatically. Uh, and we have this state of where you're really in the moment. And this state which can be, if you're lucky, have an, uh, have an experience, have an epiphany, epiphany. So it's quite good to remain always open, but not to expect because then it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent, Robert. Yeah. Where you come from as an artist, could you talk about um, your family or you as a youngster? You, when you, your artistic influences or inspirations? Well, I don't know. I won't say it's very helpful uh, in retrospect, being looking back now. At the time, I have drawings of, my, of myself, really intently, in, intensive drawing as a three-year-old, like you sent photographs of, 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 your, of your children, of Austin and, 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 and Blake. Uh, and I think that... Children are, just are, they just <laughs> express. And I think as parents it is quite good to guide, but not to expect rather than to put on pedestals because it just breaks things. Mm. And I think at home, I, I, because I'm a sixth generation artist, and my daughter is the seventh, I never really, I encourage her doing her work, but I never really promote that she should do it. It is up to her to do it or not. And I think uh, at, Sometimes when people come out of an, a family that aren't artistic, that's probably more of a benefit to them than actually coming out of an artistic family because you have a competition or an expectation. Mm. Uh, and also, I guess, my mother really, to the detriment, wanted me to become a doctor or a lawyer or somebody respectable in life, so I went to art school. So <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and at art school, I, I, I was first I, uh, two years at art school at the Royal Academy in Holland. And then I got, I became, I was bored, I was, uh, you know, I had to learn all those techniques, making ears and noses and, and you know, 
Yeah. And so I actually had a disagreement with the teachers and they told me I better leave. I'll do it their way of, 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 of leave. So I, went, I was really fortunate at the time. At the Free Academy, there were a whole group of artists. Uh, in the early 50s, there was this group called the Cobra Group in Holland. And it was quite uh, people like Kyle Apple, Faith, you know, they were getting Faith. Cobra means actually Copenhagen, Oslo, Brussels, Amsterdam, Rotterdam. And they made this word out of it. And it actually were artists from those particular areas. Uh, and that lasted only for four years, but it was a very, a very progressive window in time in the arts. And we were lucky that some of those artists were actually teaching at, an, at the art school. They set up this art school, so actually they had their studios there, a bit like myself. And I, I had taken sort of subconsciously that model because I was more guided with my work or given suggestions with my work rather than me telling me how to do it. Mm. I, I norm so normally when I interact with people, I talk, I talk them through it rather than show them. It's much better for me to talk them through it so they can make their own interpretation rather than actually fixing it for them, because it also stops the film. So uh, it might suit some people, and some people like to be shown what to do, but I have a tendency, if, if people are stu stuck with something, then I'd rather show them in my studio uh, how I would do something on my own work. And I like, just as an example, but I don't like, I, I, I never touch people's work. Uh, because I think to me it's person f it's good for people to, to discover that themselves. Mm. And in my classes when I do block courses, I like people to work large, but I like to work with charcoal. Because charcoal gives you a really good understanding of how to work with the nuances of a color. I mean, very often we squeeze a tube of paint and we have green, and we have a paler green, but green comes with a huge, enormous range. Know, from of, of actually tints of green. And very often we only remain in that range rather than actually explore that range. And I think working in charcoal gives you a very good idea how to work with the nuances of colour later on. So normally also how to, like with oil paints especially, how you can build up with, with glazes over the top of each other to see how colours transform. I mean... Um, from my viewpoint, uh, uh, are you teaching painting? Yeah, most people, they fill in colors, but that is not painting. Painting to me is actually where you can understand, from my viewpoint, is that you switch, if, you, if it is dark, you can't see no colors. So actually you have light on the end of a stick when you paint. You're actually switching on the light when you're painting. And actually that you can achieve by actually being aware of your background colors, foreground colors. So what you learn actually is not when you learn the color wheel, it's the colors side by side, but it's also the colors behind other colors. And also, of course, the, the, the philosophical or the, 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 the approach to a color, how colors really affect you. you know, and I think it's quite good to even when you start painting to work with a monogrammatic palette, like for example, have only two two or three colors and see how you can interact those colors with one another to actually you know, get a multitude of different, different
different um, effects. Because that's something that we see in your work, on the, whether it be a small scale or a large scale. This yeah, is a three by three meters, is a glass engraving for a window. Mm. And actually, the working with, for me, I really like working with glass because it uh, changes from moment to moment in, in the light. So it's not really a fixed, fixed thing. And I, my only rebellion at art school, I really had as an artist, uh, I became a sculptor. When I at, uh, uh, because everybody was a painter in my family. <laughs> but what I like about actually that, that whole thing of in glass engraving, it is actually there are no excuses. You touch the glass, that's it. Mm. Uh, uh, or you, you don't pay attention, it pings on you. And I quite like that edge. You know? It's a bit like um, uh, when, you, when you talk, and you probably said the wrong word. But you have said it. You can't take that word back again. And, and, and I think when you start talking or with that measurement of speech, don't you really have to measure your words if it comes to meaning or what you actually really intended to say? Uh, any, any yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you've had some overseas travels. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've exhibited quite a bit in Japan and uh, in, in, uh, in Australia, in Bern and in, in, in the States. I had one that was really funny. I was in, uh, in St. Louis, St. Louis in, in the States, and I was this big American came up to me with a cigar. <laughs> and he wanted one of my paintings, and he said, Oh, how much do you want for this? And he said, Name your price. And I didn't realize, I didn't want it to be bought. And, and I said, oh, my work is always a bit more expensive than you can afford. And he, he, he said it again and again. <laughs> and I said, listen, I don't mind selling my painting to you, but I can tell by my painting that it doesn't like hanging on your wall. And actually, that was the end of the sale. <laughs> I could have shot myself in the foot. <laughs> but I, I, sometimes I, th I think... Uh, huh? I didn't catch what you said. What Oh, I said, I, I, said I, I, I don't mind selling my painting to you, but I can tell by my paintings that it doesn't like hanging on your wall. <laughs> and and I, I think to me, like, like some, uh, there is this very fine line, you know, like of the spirit or soul, or uh, uh, there is a part of me which is not for sale. In fact, I can't sell it. There is a part of me which... Uh, Everybody has got a certain talent, and I just have to pay homage to the talent I have. I just don't like to be cheapened by somebody else uh, conjuring lots of money in front of me. And actually, really, uh, no, I didn't. For me, at the time, it felt like not right. Mm. <laughs> in retrospect, I could have shoot myself in the foot, but never mind. <laughs> You've got another story about meeting someone down at the waterfront who was wanting one of your paintings or. Oh, yes, as well. yes. No, somebody wanted to ask me, uh, they were sort of talking away, that was uh, not on the waterfront, it was at a pub. So I was telling in my sort of flamboyant way about ideas and he, I could make, you know, and he was sort of captivated by my ideas. He said, how much would it cost if you make a pen drawing? It was at the States, I was still making pen drawings. And I sort of gave him a price, and I think it was $300. In those days, it was lots of money. And uh, uh, I said, but I want half first so that I can start. I can. It took me about a month to make this, 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 this pen drawing. And 
And uh, uh, he came around and he said, well, I'll give you $200 for it. I said, I said okay, I'll frame it and you, you can have the, pay, the, the pen drawing. Uh, come back next week. And I took the, paint, the drawing on my arms and let's go for walks, dance walks. And they came by the wharf and said, for your $200, you can swim for it. I got ready. I mean, like, the drawing was still there. There it went. The only thing he had to do was jump in the water and get this drawing. <laughs> and I think, you know, like, I think to me that, uh, for me, a deal is a deal. And uh, I mean, not necessarily that I'm so black and white. And I can, <laughs> but I think to me, if you have the handshake, if you have the handshake, that is it. Yeah. And I think that in life, we do, there are lots of flexibility somewhere. But I think it's also quite good. Normally when I go to a dealer gallery or I have exhibitions, I am not interested in the profit of a dealer. So I always, I always tell them my wholesale price, which I'm happy with. Then there is no fight. If, if, if I'm not happy with that price, in retrospect, when it's being sold, it's my fault. But always, like so, always in terms of paintings, I ask my price, and, and 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 dealer galleries can then put their percentage on top or whatever comes on top. But that is not my concern. That is their living. Uh, but in, in in at the bottom part of the price, I, I like to know what I'm walking away with. And if it comes to then, then the, I'm always open to swapping. Like for a trip to Paris, or a, you know, like w or wine, or whatever, or you know. What's it like being over a long, longer time frame with your your painting and how it's connected with an audience and sales that have supported that? What's it like when you review back? I think I think over the years I've sort of accumulated and um, quite a wide range of people who actually have been collecting my work, or. Unbeknown to me, and I happen to walk in, the, in their places, and there are two of my works hanging, which is a very nice compliment. Um, and I think um, I, I, it's it's in one way. So in one way, you, you you're spreading your skin. Like your skin is a very nice organ. It's a huge huge organ on your body. And I've also saw your paintings become like an external skin. You're just casting like a dendrite or like a, a yeah, or nice scent. I prefer to be nice scent, actually. <laughs> In this case, my patchouli scent. Were there, were there any periods of time where the art seemed to be just connecting a certain type of person or sales were up, depending on what was happening with uh, the economy? I, th I, I, think change? I, I think when you look at the art market, in inverted commas, uh, you have those people that genuinely buy because they like you and then when you have been in the in the you know been working for a while then people sometimes catch on and they buy it not because they like it because they the neighbors bought one mm. or maybe they heard that the price has gone up so actually nowadays you have the art the art stock market that you have a group of artists that can fetch that high price and i think in the the 80s i used to have sellout exhibitions and it was 80s i used to be sort of this collectible mm. and at the moment I'm not so collectible if I think maybe I'm collectible but uh, you know that is not that collectible bit you should pay no attention to absolutely not because it just ruins you I mean it's, uh, I've known people that are selling quite well and suddenly you're not selling anymore they're getting depressed 
and, and they, they might as well just start baking cakes. I mean, like depending on other people to support like, their art likes, and their vision. Likes and, and, and don't likes are so subjective. Mm. Everybody has a different taste. And as, as an artist making things, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm showing you so, a few things I have made. But I, I'm more always concerned by the things I'm going to make than actually the things I have made. Mm. And hopefully, uh, it remains like that. So what I do is I, I, I write one proposal and I send it to all the city art galleries. So probably I have four or five bytes on the end of my line and then I commit myself to those bytes. So it propels myself forward. And that gives me to say, if I have five bytes, I have five choices. And then I can either cancel or I can... But actually, it's, as an artist, especially when you're self-employed, it is hard to remain motivated. And that is my form of motivation, is actually to work for shows. Mm. Um, and then I work on a series of works. So, like, uh, Dan was fortunate. We had this Tepo series that's based on the night, uh, which we sort of came up with this, um, this title. But normally I have titles. And my titles are very, you know, like my titles for my blog horses. Fair loose. Because I don't want to be, if you say to people, I'm going to go and do this work for your exhibition, you haven't made it yet. Then already you're shooting yourself in the foot before you start. So actually I say I make glass engraving, I make paintings, and it is based on spirit trees. And that is a very wide topic to me. So I can, I can then explore it rather than limiting yourself. But what I do do is actually is I use a topic to explore, so that actually it's all about that topic. And by doing that, you crawl under the skin of something, so it gets a deeper meaning. And um, you have a go for time, I think we're at 1.30. Yeah. Um, just a few questions for you guys. Ask them to Rebeer. I'll be, uh, once someone answers the question, I'll be repeating it before you answer Rebeer, so the people at home can articulate uh -huh. what's going on. So I can hear all my arms as uh, <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> 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 Hear the dance. <laughs> yeah. And then anyone got any questions for Rebecca about this process? Yeah. Before you said an idea might come to you and it might, you might be in the bath or you might be in there, do you actually see the end product or, or is it just a seed of an idea and then you've got to put in the actual materials and stuff and then it starts to work? The question is about does Rebecca have the end, process, end product in mind? And or does it just happen along the way? I have, I have a feel of the end product, a feeling. a feeling of it, what I wanted to achieve. So that in one way that is sort of like, like a little note on my, in, in my mind. And while I make it, it gets fine-tuned. Rather than seeing an end product, because if you have something that is already fixed uh, to start off with, then also you're not really exploring it. I think it is like, I buy my ticket. The, the question is, my idea is the ticket to go to Paparumu. What I say on the way to, what I see on the way to Paparumu is the journey to the end product. You know what I mean? Like, like very often, um, I mean like, you have, uh, uh, when a woman is pregnant, 
there is this potential. You can't already predetermine what it's going to be. That is all up to its own. Then you can't predetermine what it's going to be like when it's 80 years old. It's all in the, in the process. And it's the same as like as a painting. But a painting also, uh, when a painting is finished, when, when it starts saying to you, for God's sake, stop. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like, like very often we, 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 we uh, get so engrossed or we fall so much in love with our painting or not in love that actually we kill this. We kill it. We kill it with kindness or we kill it with whatever we do. But I mean, I think it's, it's a very fine line. And sometimes you find that when a work does not work at all, uh, it might be just a little a little thing you have to fine-tune. And that comes from observation, taking distance from your work. You know, and sometimes your work might be like acupuncture. You know, like if something doesn't work, this part of your work, it might be something you have to change down here to counterbalance. Oh yeah, 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 of course, just fire away. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else got a question? It's a good question, by the way. Anybody? When you're becoming a resident artist, are you approaching the places or the places approaching you? The question is about being a resident artist. Is Rabia approaching them or are they approaching Rabia? Well, I, I guess in one way I have been sort of fortunate yeah. that I have been always approached. Uh, uh, I, th I think it works both ways. I think I mean, you, over a period of time and your CV builds up, uh, you, can, you can also apply for residencies and also become a resident artist. Uh, it's, it works both ways, either by reputation or by, by the work you have done, because not everybody, maybe not everybody has heard of you. And I must also say, when I started doing my work in New Zealand, um, there weren't not as many artists. We're living at the moment in, in unfortunately, uh, an art, an art, uh, well, I mean, there are so many artists coming out of art schools. And, and actually it's like, like sand. You start, you start sifting the sand, and fewer and fewer people will remain in it. I think it's also as an artist, it is not, on one side, it is, I, I would advise you to become an artist because it gives you a good understanding about yourself, but uh, emotionally, it is actually, you have to be very strong in your feet because you have to just regardlessly do it no matter what other people think of your work. I mean, uh, like we, are, we like the idea of being an artist. I sometimes hate it. <laughs> no, 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 I just hate an aspect of it, really. But I like my, I like my life. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. I like the quote you've said before, how you're rich. You're rich in life. is a way of speaking and summing up. Well, yeah, I, I, I think to me that um, uh, I, I'm rich because I am. And whatever that means, like... I think, I think uh, that is for, for most of us, and I find as well we have expectations of others. And I think especially when you start out and society 
and all the things of expectations over there. So in one way, sometimes behave or we cater towards it. So you have to also start questioning, where do I come in? Or what is that ingredient that makes me up? That's why I always like, like the expressions like walking in my own footsteps. I mean, like, um, um, there is a part of me that is collective. I mean, what has a collective behavior is that I'm reasonably polite. I can be stroppy, but I mean, I keep the stroppy part out of it because it's, if I'm in a stroppy mood, it is nobody else's business that I'm in a stroppy mood. It is just to do with me. But um, I'm, so, yeah, I walk around myself in a circle and keep on meeting myself in unexpected places. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, Robert. It's awesome for you to come along and just give us some insight about your practice. Yeah. And uh, you've got a block course at the end of this term? I have a block course at the end of the term, so what we will be doing is we will be, again, either go to a beach. I have already booked the botanical gardens. The reason I booked the botanical gardens and I do over and over the same thing is that uh, the botanical gardens, A, in the glass house, you have a wide range of textures, of patterns, of, 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 um, of shapes to work with. I don't want people to make botanical drawings. Uh, when we sit over here, we are also organic shapes. Uh, so you have a whole group of people that could be the stamen of a flower. So <coughs> we, we are all part of things, so we are also organic shapes. And I think by seeing it that way, you're not restricting yourself by labeling. You can say deliberately from those shapes, you can start lab bringing some labels in or you bring something in focus. But I think, I think, on the whole, um, we are a society in the West that labels things. This is an oak tree, this is, a, this is an elm tree, this is a yew tree, this is a, a matai. So we label things. And the matai itself, tree never labeled itself, it's just a tree. Yeah. So I think, I think it's quite good to just be. Mm. And is your door, when you're, when you're on site, is your door open for people to come and... Oh, uh, the reason I'm artist in residence is that I, if people either are stuck with a question about, about uh, approaching something, or uh, even when they work on, 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 on work and they say, well, Robert, how can I develop this? Because the good thing with the block course itself is that it doesn't apply to painting. It applies to seeing things in a different way but can go into sculpture, it can go into filmmaking, it can go into printmaking. There is no fixed answer to it. Joyce, anyone know where Rabia lives? Yeah. Well, I'm up the ramp. If you go up the ramp behind the bullseye, up the <laughs> ramp, that is where my studio is. And you're all welcome. I mean, just, just knock on the door, and if I'm busy, I'm busy, and I'll growl, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, 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 so always welcome. Yeah. Thanks very much for giving your time and coming along to talk. Okay. Cheers, Rabbit. Yeah.